0: Hi, Melanie here from Aviation Tours, unique itineraries for aviation enthusiasts, taking you to some of the most amazing air shows and events in the UK and Australia. They're leisurely, comfortable, fun, escorted, and to all the places you've been wanting to visit. If independent travels out of your comfort zone or you just prefer the good company of fellow enthusiasts on a tour taking in the best aviation, motoring and military museums, take a look at our website, aviationtoursnz.com for more info and join us on the trip of a lifetime. Or call me for a chat on 021 076 8308. Wings Over Britain is proudly supported by the New Zealand Bomber Command Association telling the stories of Bomber Command and the New Zealanders who served. Wings Over Britain and the Wings Over New Zealand show greatly acknowledges the fantastic support from Peter and Carola Wheeler of the Hauraki Brewing Company. And we'd like to acknowledge the awesome support from Mel and Kev Salisbury, Aviation Tours NZ, and a huge thanks to all the others out there who kindly supported the tour and the series. Without them, the series wouldn't have been made Extended. Hi, this is Peter Johnson from aerospace radio station Extended, and we bring you some of Europe's best guests.
1: He's he's been something of of an unsung hero of the American space programme, outside
2: those who have made it their business to become aficionados of it. News. Some people will call you mad. Some people will call you heroes. uh, uh,
0: And everyone else is probably somewhere in that spectrum. It's it's an amazing project to, to pull together from literally from scratch.
2: And views. You've got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off and learn from that experience. And that's not an easy thing to do, Peter, learning from your own failure. So why not give us a listen? If you want to hear about warbirds, aviation and the aerospace industry, Come over and give us a visit.
3: Aviation-extended.co.uk
1: And remember, there's no E at the beginning of Extended.
3: Extended. Vintage Aviation News is pleased to support Wings Over Britain and Wings Over New Zealand. And we'll be checking in with reports as Dave's tour progresses. Vintage Aviation News is an organization founded by a group of passionate vintage aviation enthusiasts who love to share the history and technology aviation museums preserve for the public. It's our intention to play a role in safeguarding the heritage of these beautiful machines by providing increased awareness and education through the use of Internet-based digital media. Vintage Aviation News is an online news resource dedicated to warbirds, aviation museums, vintage aviation, and aviation heritage, and the many enthusiasts who wish to know more about them. The goal of this site is to provide fresh, daily news content for a large community of aviation fans who visit our page regularly. Vintage Aviation News online can be found on your usual social media channels and at VintageAviationNews.com.
0: Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Welcome to Wings Over Britain on the Wings Over New Zealand show. I'm your host, Dave Homewood. On the fourth of july 2023 i had the amazing pleasure to visit the lincolnshire aviation heritage center at east kirkby a former bomber base in lincolnshire in england during my wings over britain tour East kirkby is famous as the home of avro lancaster just jane which still runs taxis and is under restoration to flight but there's a big collection of other aircraft there too some of which taxi including the only de Havilland mosquito taxian in Britain. This episode is in two parts. The first was recorded on that day at East Kirkby with the collection's deputy chief engineer, John Marshall East. And then the second part was recorded afterwards with Andrew Panton via Zoom after I got back to New Zealand. Andrew and I were unable to meet up on the day when I visited because he was away, but he very kindly agreed to do a follow-up Zoom interview. So we start off with John Marshall East talking about his role in the collection.
1: I'm um, John Marshall East. I'm the Deputy Chief Engineer here in the uh, Lancaster Restoration Company at the Lincoln Aviation Heritage Centre at in, East uh, Kirby in the UK. Um, I first walked through the doors of this place in October 1989. Wow, so you've been here a long time. Yeah.
0: Okay. And yeah. Um, what was
1: it like when you first arrived here? Uh, very minimal. Yeah. Um, there, there was the... What was left of a, um, a collection of a museum that used to be about uh, eight, nine miles away. Um, they relocated here, but it was a mixed match of, of, of anything aviation, basically, nothing themed. Um, the hangar was only half the size yeah. it is now. Um, the Lancaster was in there. Um, about three vehicles and about six or seven displays and that was it, it was pretty empty. Oh
0: wow, okay. So over those years that you've been here the collections build up uh, considerably and um, tell me what else you've got around the place now? Uh,
1: well well, in, in the hangar we've got the Lancaster, we've got uh, Tony Agar's Mosquito yeah. and our newest a- a- acquisition is um, a B25J which we obtained from the RF Museum. Um, <laughs> It needs a, needs a little bit of work but we're, we're hoping to get that up to taxiing um, and maybe maybe flight all de- all depends on certain factors on that okay um going from there we, we, we've got displays of the Lincolnshire Aviation uh Lincolnshire Aircraft Recovery Group mm-hmm. who go around crash sites excavating the crash sites and, and finding out the history behind them and, and the people um there, there are various displays of um, memorabilia about information boards in the hangar and then we go outside turn turn left outside the hangar doors and then we've got two Nissan huts one which is a briefing room and another one which is set up as a billet hut okay. with all the beds and all the stuff in there and you walk across the concrete you come to the old uh, American um, fire fire station which was built in the 50s when the Americans were here Okay. Um, downstairs it's like the way we were, an uh, um, old farm machinery and stuff like that, you go yep. upstairs and it's like home front uh, where we've got an Anderson shelter and various displays on, on, on uh, we've got a wartime living room and a, and a wartime kitchen stuff like that. Yep. And then the control tower well, the control tower speaks for itself basically because yep. it, it, it was refurbished, luckily we have a photograph of the inside of it so it recreates what it was like in 1943 here in East Kirby. Uh Then beyond that we have the Escape Society Museum um, when the RAF Escaping Society um, moved because it was all, dis- all on display in a pub called The Escape, yeah. believe it or not. Um, it was brought here and now we're custodians of everything to do with this um, Royal Air Force Escaping Society, people's experiences in, POW camps, the resistance movement, style I've got three in the Great Escape and the Wooden Horse and all of that. Okay. And then um, walking around there, we've got a nice long building. The first bit is a radio room where we've got, actually got working um, 1154, 55 setup which would have been on the Lancaster and various other radios. Uh, and then to go next door, we've got the turret display where we've got various turrets, we've got a, um, a ball turret, a B-24, we've got various rear turrets, mid-upper turrets in there, um, we have a, a Merlin engine which has got a, 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 a question and answer um, section on it where you press the buttons, you've got four choices and you usually get it wrong. Yep. Around the corner from that we have the um, reconstruction of a, a Heinkel 111 cockpit which was made for the uh, Battle of Britain film okay. in 1968 by Pinewood Studios. And later used in um, Disney's um, *The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe*. Oh right! It went all the way to New Zealand. Right. Yeah. Uh, worked on by Wetter Studios. Used in the uh, the first scene, the bombing bombing of London, and then came back to us all in a month. I can't believe it. Wow. Yeah, that is incredible. Yeah, and uh, then going around from there, we got the, the got the large building, which is the early bombers. Uh, we, in there, we've got the handy page Hamden Rebuild A436, which has been going since 1986. So it's a very slow job, that one is. Yeah. And another one of our new acquisitions is a, a Bristol broke, which came from Canada last year. Uh, we call it the Blenheim. Yep. <laughs> so it's exactly the same, just yeah. made in a different place. Yep. The, the Canadians decided to call it a broke just, just to be awkward, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... We go round out the back. We have uh, vehicle displays in large Nissan huts. The sergeant's mess, which has got some memorabilia in there, and then we're back to the back to the Naffian shop. Okay. Yeah. So um, the Bolingbroke and the uh, Hampton are they intended to eventually be taxing in as well? Well, not not the Hampton, yeah. um, because uh, getting engines for the Hampton would be on impossible. Right. They are ultra rare. Bristol Pegasus engines are ultra-rare. Yeah, Gosh, are. I'd love to find a stash of them. Um, no, that'll just be a static exhibit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bolingbroke stroke Blenheim, yeah, that, that is a, a viable option. We're, we're struggling to find... We have one engine, but we're struggling, struggling to find propellers and, and and engine parts. Okay. Because if, if you're going to rebuild uh, a, a Blenheim, you, you need several airframes to make one from right. basically because they've all got bits missing yeah. and usually it's the engines and propellers that, f- that go first. But uh, yeah, we're ho- hopefully getting, the- getting that to taxi. Right, okay. Uh, I noticed next to the uh, the Mitchell there's a wooden aircraft, is that an Oxford? Uh, no, that, that, that's a Perci- Percival Proctor. Oh, ah, okay. Yep. Yeah, um, developed from the uh, the, the, the series I brought this Alex Henshaw and the Percival Mughal and stuff like that. Yeah. It's a, a Percival Proctor Mark IV, um, which was um, a radio trainer, yeah. um, had the same setup radio wise uh, as in all the bombers, the Lancaster, the Halifax. Um, so they could train wireless operators. Uh, you had a crew of three one, one which was the pilot, one which was the, the trainee wireless operator and sat in the back would be um, an instructor who uh, is but based at RAF Yatesbury in Wiltshire in the UK um, in 1944. Then um, it went to in, into storage and then it served for um, a little bit in at Swanton Morley um, in 1950, I think it was, um, and then. It was used as a kiddies plaything in the back garden over Manchester way, where it was built. (laughs) Uh, So it it, it survived that way. Um, It was obtained in 1966 and it's been on rebuild ever since. When England win the World Cup again it'll be finished.
0: (laughs) Okay, and I will say that it's at the moment just a stripped down fuselage. That's why I was wondering
1: if yeah, I'm we've got we it. got everything with it. We have the wings um, and and the flaps yeah. and all the control surfaces are in storage. They're they're all finished. Yeah. Um, we're just looking for somebody to with uh, expertise in, in fabric covering to cover the fuselage. Okay. Um, we've got all the gear to go into the seats, the radios, everything like that. So yeah. after it's covered, it, it'll be a quite quite a, a, a quick project to get. Static, basically.
0: Right. How, how many engineers have you got on the team here, or people working behind
1: the scenes? Oh gosh, we we, we have um, permanent staff who are paid, and then we have an awful lot of volunteers. Right. So it's about fifteen altogether. Okay. Yeah. Oh right, that's good. And uh, is it difficult to keep the likes of the Lancaster uh, in and and being able to run the engines? Um, yeah, it's not. It's not too bad. Um, and so we we're, were very lucky in, in, in the fact that the Lancaster was complete. Mm. Um, it, it just needed a little bit of TLC where various people had been playing with it and didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Um, the engines were all free. Um, managed to get all the engines running, all the systems connected, all the electrics uh, sorted on it. And as time has gone on, we, we've um, we, we, we've... We've done that better and done it properly and now we're looking at getting it airworthy anything we do on the Lancaster will be done to an airworthy standard right Uh, so things like Teleflex cables um they don't make them anymore okay which is really really difficult but we have another cable system which we can put in which is um okay for airworthy we've been testing that and it's working quite well at the minute right okay Um, okay but as, as we go along, uh, the, the way we're restoring it is the wrong way. It's the wrong way round, wrong way round really, because, really, you should start off with the, the, the centre section, basically, and then work your way out. But we're working from the outside in, basically. <laughs> OK. Uh, replacing bits that we're working on, like the rear fuselage we get at the minute, the one in the jig is the real one off a of, of just-chain NX611. The one that's on there is off a KB976, which is a Canadian okay. um, aircraft, which was uh, damaged in a hangar collapse at Woodford when it was uh, being surveyed for airworthy back in back in 1984. Yeah. Um, it was very damaged. We got it. We refurbished it back to uh, um, a, a taxiable standard. Yeah. It's, it's not not nowhere near airworthy, but it looks really good, um, and so we can work on Iowas and still taxi, still taxi the Lancaster it. around yeah. to generate the money for us to do what we're doing. Right. The same with the wing. The wing we got in the jig at the minute is from um, a Lancaster at uh, Le Bourget in okay. France near Paris. Okay. Um, WU-21 which was a sister ship of, of our Lancaster. When our Lancaster served with the French it was WU-15. Yeah. Uh, WU-21 uh, was landing at Wallace Island. Uh, they had a massive hydraulic leak so they could only mm. Uh, dropped the flaps about 7% so it was a, a, a pretty fast landing. It yeah. was a grass runway and it was still um, doing some speed towards the end of the runway and the pilot decided to do a controlled ground loop. but what he didn't know there was an overgrown ditch full of grass. Ah. Main wheel hit that, collapsed the undercarriage, the wing hit the ground, bent the wing yeah. and it, they, the French just abandoned it. Okay. Um, It was recovered in the 80s and they've been working on it at Le Bourget um, since then, very slow time. But we're borrowing the outer wings and we'll be borrowing their um, intermediate rear fuselage so we can keep ours taxiing. Plus it helps them because we restore various bits of their... We'll probably restore more more of their Lancaster than they will. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a great system though to keep keep your aircraft running and taxiing and
1: generating money whilst you're also working on it. And yeah, plus it gives us an insight. It, 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 like, like, like the wing, we found various problems with the wing, yeah. which we can resolve now when we come to do ours. Go, oh, don't do it that way, you've done that the wrong way around, or, or uh, obtaining um, various materials right at the end of the, the spar where it joins onto the centre section, there are four plates um, per spar, one inboard, one outboard, and it, 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 they're steel. And the only place in the world that the steel was made was Mariupol. Okay. It's a bit difficult to get from Mariupol at the minute. Yeah, exactly. So we, we have to find <laughs> an alternative, which we've managed to do. But the sort, sort of leading to getting that material made we can't just get it off the shelf you, you have to go and search for it. so we know what we're looking for now yeah. so we can get all that stuff in for when we do our winter airworthy so we're not sort of panicking going oh no yeah, yeah. and we, we we found a problem with the rear fuselage um KB976's rear fuselage the um what, what they call the um tail oleo beam that the the, the tail oleo sits in yeah there's two um angles at the bottom where it attaches to the skin um, KB976 had had a hev- really heavy landing and it bent it like a banana. So those um, those L-section bits at the bottom where it attaches to the skin were severely cracked. Um, so we had we, we had to find, um, or get, get some new ones made. And when we come to do ours, ours is perfect, great, but when we took it apart, those same beams were cracked where you couldn't see them. Oh, okay. So that's all, oof. Gosh. So at, at, at least with doing kb 976s we know where to go to get new ones made. Yeah, 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 true. Okay, um, the uh,
0: Mosquito here, uh, Tony Agar's Mosquito, isn't it fantastic to see
1: that Gosh. running? Yeah, lifetime's work, he yeah. bought that in 1971, he bought the cockpit section in 1971 for uh, £7. <laughs> seven pounds it was at the same auction at Blackpool that the Lancaster was up for sale at um and and, and Tony bought the cockpit section for seven pounds he had no no way getting it home yeah because he, he he was um <laughs> the, car, the car he was driving at the time was a, a um oh, a, Frog Eye Sprint, I think it was a t- tiny little thing. Yeah. But uh, some mates went down and brought brought it back for him. He didn't even know about it. He just sat, sat in there and he saw this cockpit go past the window. <laughs> <laughs> but he's found various bits from all over the place. Um, he's been liaising with aspects in in in, um, in New Zealand. Yeah. And uh, John Smith who had the mosquito yeah yeah <laughs> he had a good look at it but he didn't say anything about buying it otherwise he'd been booted out right <laughs> so that's what he says yeah but he's he, he the rear fuselage that came from film studio Boreham Wood okay um he, he sneaked in around the back to see it and he eventually got it most of the wing came from South Wales him and his brother loaded it onto a trailer and he and he, he was doing that in his back garden the mosquito was in his garage, in his drive, and then he relocated to Elvington, the Yorkshire Air Museum at uh, Elvington yep. Airfield. And then he moved down here and we got, got the engines running. So yep. now he's got a live mosquito. But as long as Tony's alive, that mosquito will never be finished. Right. He's always tinkering on something. Something <laughs> never just quite right. Well. Wow. <laughs> But it does look, it looks magnificent. And I've seen a
0: few restorations in New Zealand, of course, and
1: uh, it looks just as good. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic what one man can do. He he was about just at at the right time. You couldn't Mm. do it now. If you found a a mosquito cockpit section, that's all you'd have. You'd never find what he found. He dug stuff out of the ground, begged, steal, borrow. His tailplane was made in New Zealand. That's about the only new bit of it. But he'll go around you and tell you which mosquito each bit come from but the proudest bit he's um he he has is the two tires the two main wheel tires because they're off the Rolls Royce Mosquito because both them and Tony flew on that Mosquito at the same time oh right okay (laughs) brilliant never mind engines or wings or things like that it's them two rotten tires yeah there you go (laughs) oh that's great so what was your background before you came here Oh, gosh. Uh, I joined the RAF in 1979, spent 15 and a half years with the RAF. Yeah. My last three years being with the Battle Britain Memorial Flight, I'm working on real aeroplanes right. and using real technology and getting real skills in. Yeah. I worked on engines, but uh, when I came here and started working on the Hampton, I, I, I realised that uh, I, I, re- I was really into airframes, okay. really, bending bits of metal and actually creating something from nothing. Excellent, yeah, yeah, okay. Um,
0: The rides that people can do in the Lancaster and also in the um,
1: Mosquito—is there like a big waiting list for that, or is it? Oh gosh, yeah, yeah, I thought there would be. Yeah, yeah, really, it's it's unbelievable. You know, we'll be booked up well into next year. Whether it's fully booked for next year or or it, it, it sure will be. Yeah, yeah. And, and the mosquito too. You know, where else can you yeah. just have a taxi ride on a mosquito? Because yeah. it's it, it's it's pretty intimate in there. It, it is a very small cockpit, and it's flaming loud. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it really is loud. <laughs> yeah,
0: I've definitely I've sat in a couple of the Mosi
1: cockpits, and uh, it's it's not easy to get in and out. And uh, no, it isn't. Yeah, um, <laughs> get getting in. I so say the the the. the the passenger or the the navigator has to get in first because if the pilot gets in first, he, um, your head. Uh, if if you're the second person in and you've got somebody sat in the pilot seat, your your face is in a very awkward place <laughs> for, for, for for a short time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's unavoidable. Yeah, it, it it it's not easy to get in. And yeah. It's certainly not easy to get out. I tell you, I wouldn't like to try and get out 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 in an emergency because. You've got a hatch over the head, yeah. Basic where you can you can climb out on the wing and, and drop down, but the, the the door at the side you're looking straight at an engine, and the propeller's not that far away. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I remember reading about a chap in wartime that jumped out the door and it ended up the prop took off his arm and his leg. Yeah. So you know it's like half an escape, I guess.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, when 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 you invent these aircraft during the war. Um, the, the the bomb the bomb load and the guns and everything like that takes priority and then they go right where are we going to sit the people? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The Lancaster the Lancaster looks huge, but when you go inside it, it, it it's not that easy. Yeah, especially across the main spar and the yeah. you know, escape yeah. hatches are a, a bit awkward to get through as well. So. Yeah, I bet.
0: Yeah, I've I've had the privilege of getting inside the one at Moathead in Auckland a few times, and yeah, that main spar it gets more awkward every time I do it because I'm
1: getting worse. Yeah, orders, so. yeah, but uh, so the, 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 the old boys, well, you, you know, there's very few and far between now. Yeah. But I, I, I remember when I was a, on, on the Battle of Britain Memorial flight, um, we had a flight engineer come, Bill Smith. He survived um, bailing out Lancaster at 1,000 feet. 1,000 um, yeah. feet, he, he He was in his 70s then and uh, he climbed up the ladder into the fuselage and my friend was with me said, don't stop him i film filming going up and by the time he'd said that he was in the cockpit <laughs> he just went straight from when he was 19 dun, 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 wow. and, and he was there wow. good grief I couldn't believe it <laughs> there's, there's a knack to it yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah keep your head down
0: it's <laughs> that old muscle memory thing for, for the yeah. veterans
1: yeah mm.
0: yeah fantastic so uh, I guess the taxi rides are only through the summer season um, they do yes and then the rest of the like
1: through yeah, the winter you the, w- the winter is, is, is the winter maintenance um where, where we do a, a general survey uh on, on on the aircraft jack it up and make sure everything's tickety-boo with it basically uh the plan this year is to change the port outer wing whether that happens or not all depends on whether the the static wing that we're building at the minute is is ready. Yeah, um, we've still got a few things to do on that, but you never know. But that's the plan. Yep. If that doesn't happen, we just have to shrug our shoulders and do it next winter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So the work that you guys are doing there in the back of the hangar in the workshop there—that's all Lancaster bits that will go back onto it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We've got the we've, we've got the rear fuselage off of our c- aircraft. We have got the port out of wing off the of W21. We've got the trailing edge, uh, well, the outer wing trading edge from WU21. We've got the bomb MS section from WU21 there as well. They're all there to replace what's on the aircraft, basically. And then the real bits will come up and then the real work will start. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then
0: eventually you'll have a flying aircraft and all those bits that have been restored. We'll go back to France and they'll have a, yeah. they'll have
1: a good aircraft. Yeah, KB976 is KB rear fuselage. will go back to the museum Doncaster, in a lot better shape than it was before. Oh, yeah. um, and eventually the, the, the two outer wings, uh, the intermediate rear fuselage, um, and the, the bonnames section will go back to Le Bourget. Um, and when they finished it, it would sit in the museum at Le Bourget and I'll be able to go, I did that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well
0: uh, thank you very much I'm going to have a, another look around the museum. I've, I've been into the control tower and then I watched the um, amazing Lancaster uh, engine run and
1: taxi just now and I, I think there's two more of those today. Yeah there's two more today yes. Right. We yeah, How often does it run a week? Uh, twi- twice a week um, usually usually on a Tuesday and a Thursday um, uh, special events on a Saturday okay yeah excellent so
0: that's bringing in some good money for the
1: for the project yeah fantastic yeah, yeah. Well, there's plenty to see here I, 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 just, I just wish I could go away and have my memory of this place wiped yeah so I could come back and see it like you have yeah basically yeah and just go gosh because <laughs> when you come here every day it's just sort of oh the, you know you just <laughs> yeah. You don't you don't realize how how good the place is. I mean, you, know, you know, people tell us what's oh, really good in. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll take your word for it. It <laughs> <laughs> certainly is. I'm impressed. I'm very impressed.
0: I've wanted to come here for years, and I'm so so pleased to actually yeah. make it. Yeah. Well, so
1: it, it it was started by Fred and Harold Panton, yeah. in memory of their brother Chris, who was uh, killed on the Nuremberg Raid on the thirty first 30, of uh, March nineteen forty four. He was on. Uh, 433 squadron flying Halifaxes up and skipped on an Swale and um, that's the whole reason why they bought the Lancaster. Uh, this this bit of land came up for sale and decided to buy it, um, restored the control towers the first thing that happened, built the half a hangar, got the Lancaster in and were just going to show their mates and then somebody says you you really want to open this and let people see it. Yeah. Um, that was back in 1986 when I first opened the gates and just flourished from there amazing yeah fantastic well it's an amazing memorial too well it's a it's it's a family-run museum yeah yeah you know we you know we got we got uh philip panton who's um fred's son we got andrew and lee's who's philip's um son and daughter yeah um running the place so it's all still in the Panton family and it will be forever. That's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. All self funded. No money has been taken from the national lottery or anything like that. Oh wow. Yeah, it's all been self generated this place. That is impressive. Mm. That that is
0: really impressive to see what you've got here without big public funding or yeah. lottery funding. Mm. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Great. Well thank you very much, John. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thanks.
0: So I'd like to welcome Andrew Panton to the show now. Hi Andrew. Hi
3: there. Uh,
0: now we're recording this a little bit later than uh the interview that was just heard in this episode. Um I'm back in New Zealand and we're catching up via Zoom because uh, you were unavailable. But uh yeah, first I want to say thank you very much for uh for doing this and, and actually coming on the show because it's uh, it's great to have you on here as well.
2: Uh and also You're very welcome. Um I'm so sorry I couldn't be here on the, the day when you came.
0: Yeah, um, it, it would have been good, but uh, this is just as good as well. Um, I, 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 I want to say first, um, a couple of people have said to me to to mention this too. We follow what's happening with the Lancaster from here in New Zealand. We love what you're doing. And uh, it was such a privilege to actually go there and actually see it in person and uh, hear it running and, and feel it running, all that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, we, we love what you're doing and we've got a lot of respect for it. Thank you very much. And, and also, uh, I you know, I really loved your museum. What a fantastic place. Yeah, just for the listeners who don't really know the background, I, I know I've heard it a few times from you on uh, a number of podcasts and on the BBC and everything like that. Uh, can you just give a, a, a background to the museum and how it started and, and how your family got connected with it?
2: Yeah, absolutely, no problem. Um, so the, the centre was set up by Fred and Harold Panton, who were were brothers and um, two of, of eight children. Um, and their elder brother, Christopher, um, was flying on operations on Halifaxes with 433 Squadron uh, during the Second World War. And he was uh, sadly lost on the Nuremberg Operation on um, 30th, 31st of March, 1944. Um, and, of course, being that the elder brother of, of Fred and Harold, they looked up to him an awful lot. He was the... Um, the, the only male member of the family that was was serving in the war and, and doing his bit for the country, so um, losing him obviously for the parents to lose him and, and for Fred and Hal to lose him as well was a, a huge um, shock to the family and had a, a massive impact on them, um, so Fred and Hal obviously never forgot Chris and they wanted to do something in memory of him and, and all of Bomber Command, um, so they decided um, eventually that they uh, wanted to, to buy a Lancaster or a, they, originally they wanted a Halifax because that's what Chris operated on yeah. Um, but the, the opportunity of a Lancaster came up, and so they decided that they would buy the Lancaster and um, keep it in, in memory of, of Chris and, and all of Bomber Command. Um, things began to snowball. So once they'd got um, the opportunity to, to buy the Lancaster, they uh, found they had the opportunity to buy um, the old airfield at RAF East Kirkby, which was yeah. only about five miles from where they were growing up during the Second World War at Old Bolingbroke. So they, they saw the airfield being built. They saw the Lancasters come. They saw the Lancasters go, and and the airfield um go to the ruin, if you like, after the Second World War. So when the opportunity of the airfield came up, they thought a perfect place to bring the Lancaster to and and set something up in memory of of Christopher and everyone who served on on bomber command and, and lost their lives. And there's, there's quite a few twists and turns along the story, but that's the uh, the general uh, make up of how it all started. Uh, originally, the the plan was just to. Um, to have the Lancaster here, and Fred and Howard could come and have a look at it when they wanted, bring some friends over to have a look, and and almost as a private memorial, um, for right. them. But uh, it soon became very obvious that um, they had to open it up to the public. They couldn't just um, keep it for themselves, so to speak. It had to be appreciated by by many. I mean, at, at one point, this Lancaster was the only one flying in the world, so it was um, very famous Lancaster during that period before the uh the BVMF got theirs flying.
0: Right,
2: right, right. And um, so to, to then lock it away, so to speak, um, for people not to be able to see it, would uh, really wouldn't have been the thing to do. So uh, that's really what started the the Lynx Aviation Heritage Centre here at East Kirkby and uh, well, the, the nucleus to what we have now. And it's the uh, the, the Lancasters, the, the golden goose, if you like. It um, it brings people to the centre to then hopefully learn more about Bomber Command. And it's the, it's the famous aircraft that, that brings people in to, to find out more about potentially what their relatives did or or what Van Command did during the Second World War.
0: Right, okay. Um, now, I, I need to clarify something, because a lot of people had told me that I was saying it wrong by saying East Kirkby, but you just said East Kirkby. It's not Kirby,
1: then?
2: Is it a... No, no, a, a, lot of, a, a lot of people make the mistake of not putting in the second K.
1: So
0: mm. It's
2: definitely East Kirkby. There's okay. A, a Kirby, or an East Kirby, um, up near Liverpool, I believe.
0: Ah, right.
2: Um, so, uh, yeah. So we, We've okay. got a, a second K. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I I always used to call it Kirkby and then somebody said to me, no, it's Kirby and I've heard other people while I was traveling around England saying Kirby as well and I'm like, okay, well, it must be Kirby. (laughs)
3: It's
0: good good to clarify that. Um, Cool. So um, what year did the museum open to the public?
2: So we originally opened in about 89 with um, 88 kind of a a soft opening, if you like, and officially opened in 89. So the, the Lancaster moved here in in 88 um, before the, the museum itself was set up, so to speak. So we, we put a, a hangar back up on the original hangar base here at East Kirk because it had been taken down um, after the war. Yeah. So we, we had managed to put a, a half a hangar up um, and then move the Lancaster here. It was the gate guardian at RAF Scampton at the time when, when Fred and Howard purchased it um, and then it arranged for it to be moved over here in, in 88. I'd see out its it's 16 years at, at Scampton, which was part of the agreement with the previous owner. Um, and then Friend Howard could move it here. And um, so there was half the hangar up here, and then um, the control tower and the original wartime buildings that were left here. Um, we're all here, but um, needing an awful lot of work doing to them to make them um, open to the public or um, to secure them, if you like, um, for the future. So there was an awful lot of investment went into the site um, right. as a Lancaster arrived to uh, to preserve it for the future.
0: Right. So so that half hangar is that a genuine original hangar that was shifted there?
2: No. Or- so that's no, a, it's original hangar like, base. Yeah, yeah, original hangar base, and it's a new hangar that's put up in the uh, the mid eighties, late eighties. Oh yeah, um, okay. Just a, a normal portal building, if you like, steel building.
0: Yeah. Okay, uh, and once the Lancaster got to uh, East Kirkby, was it, what? How how long before it could actually taxi, or or at least run its engines, or was that still was it still running its engines at that stage, but with, with with the previous owner?
2: No, so it, when the aircraft moved here, it hadn't run for about twenty-two or twenty-three years. So okay. it was, um, and it had been stood outside for pretty much all its life. So right. um, it needed an awful lot of work to get it back up to a, a running condition. Uh, thankfully for us, the RAF had had looked after it fairly well at the gates at Scampton. Um, the engines have been inhibited. Uh, it had been sprayed with um, a fluid that ends up looking almost like rust, So it's a brownie, um, ox-bloody coloured oh, yeah. uh, fluid as a preservative. So a lot of the internals had been sprayed with that. Uh, not easy to get off, but it had done its job and preserved the aircraft while it was stood outside. So when we actually received the aircraft, um, it was in a lot better condition. It potentially could have been had it not been looked after by the RAF while it was at Scampton. So to a certain degree, that, that is what saved the aircraft and the RAF uh, looking after it and having a scheme of, of preservation while it was on the gate stood outside at Scampton. Right. Um, but the the aircraft, we got a lot of work done to it in the early nineties. Um, so 92, 93, um, and then we, we eventually got a, all four engines running in 1994 and started taxiing in um, 94, 95. Um, and we've been doing rides on the aircraft um, since 1995, which growing to a, a bigger and bigger scale as time's gone on.
0: So you obviously sort of grew up with the Lancaster in the family. And uh, at what point did you actually get into the cockpit and start doing engine runs and, and taxiing? yourself
2: uh so I was one when the aircraft came There's a, a photo of, of mum holding me in her arms at the gate as the Lancaster came through the gate on the yeah. Queen Mary trailer loads about seven trailer loads bringing yeah. her into to here so you say I've I've grown up with it I've known nothing other than having the Lancaster here and a part of the family so um I started working here straight after education so I was 18 when I came here Yep. Yeah. and started working full-time with with granddad and uncle Harold Um, It wasn't until it would have been 2007, I think it was, so I started in 2005 so a couple of years into me starting um, work here full-time I started to to be more active with the aircraft, learn how to run it and eventually go on to to learn how to to taxi the Lancaster. Okay. And that was all really done, Um, I was a a backup effectively, so if, if one of the pilots that was due to be doing the taxi runs Fell ill all of a sudden, or car broke down, or something like that, and we couldn't. There was no pilot available to fulfil the slot to taxi the aircraft for the the riders that were coming. Yeah. I was then the standing to uh, to go in and and do the job, and um, I actually went on to, I guess, be one of the ones that did it the most for a few years, um, just with the way everything fell. Um, but we, we've grown the, the the pool of pilots now to about fourteen of us. I think there is to to taxi the Lancaster and the Mosquito. So, um, my my services aren't called on quite as much as they used to be.
0: Right. Well, that's that's pretty uh, pretty neat to have fourteen people that are um, involved in in those two aircraft. That's, that's quite amazing. Um, and of course, you're you're working now towards the B twenty five also taxiing, aren't you?
2: Yeah. So we've got the Lancaster and Mosquito since two thousand and seventeen that arrived, uh, yeah. and the the B twenty five arrived in November. Um, from the RAF Museum at, um, at London Hendon, um, and yeah, we're, we're working towards now getting that to a, a taxiing uh, condition, potentially flying condition going forwards as well. So we've got a, a small team of guys. John, of which you uh, spoke to earlier, is uh, is heading that team. Yeah. Um, so they're now working towards getting the the systems back up and running, uh, getting all the controls and everything attached back together again, finding all the the missing parts. So we're we're speaking to. Aero Trader out in America to try and source a load of parts. They've have, they have a, a big B twenty five guys over Aero Trader, um, so we've we've got a big list with them as, as parts that we need for it. And um, the engines, um, as I speak, are almost going off to to overhaul in the states. Um, so we bought some spare engines over in Canada, and we're sending okay. those to the states for overhaul uh, to come back to be to be fitted to the the B twenty five here. The okay. biggest problem with it is um, because it's round engines. And it's sat with the propeller on um, for 40 years or so and the bearings on the crank uh, will all be well they'll be broken shall we say in, in the nicest possible terms because the uh, the ball um, kind of forces itself into the race of the bearing so if we start those engines up now they'll pretty much tear themselves apart okay so we've gone, gone with some spares and then we'll have a look at these ones when they come off see what sort of condition they really are
0: okay so w- once uh down the track that that is at least taxiing, um it will be able to substitute for the lancaster as that has more work done it done on it uh towards flying i guess won't it um
2: yeah absolutely yeah that, that's part of the the big plan if you like um so that the lancaster will have um a period where it's not going to be able to taxi at all and um, where the the work is is greater than we can fit into a winter period or yeah. um we cannot find a a substitute part to fit to the lancaster to taxi with while we we restore nx611's parts so
3: right.
2: a period of that will be something like cockpit or or center section main spar center section and when we work on those parts we are likely to miss at least a year of lancaster taxi runs so right. having the mosquito the b25 to uh, to slot into the lancaster slots and, and keep people coming to the museum keep it alive um that's that's the main aim really to uh, to keep the centre going and keep the Lancaster funded, and so we can finish the project.
0: Yeah. So, have you got any sort of timescale of when you think the Lancaster will actually fly? A lot of people keep asking me this, and um, I guess you get asked it every day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, if I had a pound for every time somebody asked, it'd be done a lot quicker than it is doing being done at the moment.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> but,
2: uh, we're We're five years into the ten year plan. In theory, we lost a year because of the. COVID pandemic. Um, yeah. So in theory, if, if the original plan still works and is still valid, um, then it's another five years. What we don't know is is what we're going to find in the meantime when we can take something apart on the aircraft, how long the lead time might be on a particular uh, set of extrusions or something that, that we're trying to get. So um, if everything goes to plan, it'd be another five years. Um, but I mean, they do say that a plan never survives contact with the enemy, don't they? So <laughs> yeah. if we're doing our best to to keep it within that original 10-year plan um but um i'm not putting any money on it because you just don't know what might happen um in the meantime but yeah. i mean there's nothing at the moment to suggest that it, it won't meet that that target we're, we're just uh, i guess well, being cautious with people's expectations just in case
0: yeah absolutely now that's that sounds good um and the the expense of getting an aircraft like that flying um it must be phenomenal i'd imagine and um do you have do do people uh leave bequests to you guys or are there any big sponsors or anything like that that are putting money into it
2: um no big sponsors no um the the main funds for the uh, the restoration is coming from uh, people's admissions to the museum the rights on board the aircraft um, memberships we have something called the the rivet club which is a, a monthly donation to the project and in return, you get weekly um, emails during the winter showing the work that's going on, like reports, if you like, about the work and photos and, and information. And then during the summer period, they're, they're monthly and because of how much busier we are in the events and things. Um, so that's that rivet club is raising in the region of seventy to £80,000 a year at the moment, which is, is quite a good chunk towards the restoration cost. Um, but the, the main bulk of funds for it is, is raised through the, the operation of the aircraft and for the taxi rides on board the Lank, really. Um, okay. We're very fortunate that we've we've this year just received a donation from the Bomber Command Association, which is disbanding, and um, so they've given us quite a, a healthy donation towards the project, um, which will, will help us out for a year or so.
0: Okay,
2: um, and that that'll help with things like uh, wing spars and and big, uh, big cost items that need paying for all in one go. So we're kind of creating a pot of of funds for the the big items uh, that all of a sudden need hundred and twenty thousand pounds or, or something like that to. The purchase to get a production run going of items, right. um. But the, the whole project's about four million pounds. Um. Of course, the cost going up. That that cost is always going up yeah. with inflation and everything as it is at the moment. Um. But yeah, we're we're fairly well on target with it. We've um. We've got some of the big items done. Like the the engines are all overhauled. So we've got five airworthy engines at one hundred and twenty thousand pounds a pop. So oh. we we are starting to uh to build that that stores and and that. That uh, the items that we need for the the big work, um, and it, you'll have seen when you came, um, we've got the the rear fuselage in the jig now being uh, restored to to airworthy. Yeah, that'll hopefully be finished for this winter. and um, so that's that's making good progress on on large, uh, fuselage items. Um, actually making the aircraft as you see it more airworthy, so to speak.
0: Yeah, But I think it's a really really clever scheme that you guys have got where you're borrowing bits from other Lancasters to keep, uh, keep Jane moving and and, you know working whilst her bits are getting done and and you're also restoring those other parts that you're borrowing to go back to the the owners uh you know in better condition than what you what you uh, got them and i think that's brilliant that's really really good
2: thank you it's um we've had to think outside the box with this project um with it being that we're in a unique position of having to tax the lancaster to raise the funds to then restore it so yeah the main thing with the museum here is having to keep the Lancaster running to bring the funds in from the rides and also keep people coming into the museum to see the Lancaster taxi, see the work being done. Obviously, keeps people employed. So we've, we've got about 27 employees at the centre now. We've got a small team of volunteers, a big team of employees. So and um, to keep people going, keep the, the centre open, keep the story of Bomber Command going in, in the country the best we can and keep people learning about it. It's key to keep something operating here at East Kirkby. So with the Lancaster continuing to run, we the, the centre benefits, the project benefits um, in the funding of the aircraft. And also, as you've you mentioned, with borrowing parts, restoring them, to taxiing, fitting them, sending them back, means that Lancasters as a whole in the world benefit, hopefully, yeah. um, from what we're doing as well. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's a logistical nightmare. Um, but thankfully, we've we found... Uh, sufficient groups that are, are happy to support the project and lend their part while um, we taxi with it. I mean, they benefit all being well from it, it going back restored. Um, our agreement with the uh, the French team at uh, Le Bourget, for example, with NX664. Um, it's an incredible agreement we've got with them um, in the fact that how open we are with each other and, and happy to support each other. Um yeah. Their their wing project to get their wings back up to a taxiing condition is a, a huge project for a team of their size to undertake. So, um, us working with them on it will will mean that that their Lancaster will will get up to a, a good static condition far quicker than than it would have done had we not joined with them uh, to do such a thing as this. So, hopefully, we're going to see more good Lancasters worldwide uh, through the end of it. Um, yeah, so it, it can only uh, only be good. What's not to like, as they say?
0: Exactly. Now that's fantastic. And you mentioned about the people coming through the gate also contributing. I I visited on a Tuesday and I was absolutely shocked at how many people were there. It was, it was rampacked and especially in the cafe. Um, you know, I, I kind of expected a Tuesday morning you arrive and it would be fairly quiet. Nope. (laughs) There was a lot of people there. Has that happened every time that the Lancaster runs or was it, was I just there on a busy Uh, day?
2: So it's very seasonal, so we run the Lancaster from um, kind of the, the end of April, start of May through to the the end of October, yep. um, and our busy months are, I guess you could say June through to September, so you, you came during a busier period, and um, you're probably here during school holidays, or just before school holidays as well, I think, um, so we, we get much busier during the school holidays as well, um, but thankfully, I'll touch on wood here, um, it is going, going very well, and, and people are supporting the centre, and yeah, I think uh, we're getting quite a lot of exposure at the moment as well with the the new aircraft that arrived, the B twenty five, the the Blenheim, um, and the news articles that are going out about the Lancaster restoration. So um, right. we're getting quite good exposure at the moment, and and hopefully we're we're benefiting from that in people through the gate as well as as people knowing about what's happening. Um, but yeah, we, we, we couldn't we couldn't do it all without people coming in and spending at the centre, buying a cup of tea, buying a piece of cake, something out the shop it all goes into the pot to restore the Lancaster and um, for a, a a small museum in the middle of Lincolnshire to be to be doing the project like this with restoring the Lancaster, it it does need people support and, and people to come and, and experience the centre and, and and give towards the project to to see the, uh, the Lancaster flying again. Hopefully they're getting something back in return, of course, with going around the centre and seeing the aircraft taxi and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so hopefully everyone who comes uh, uh, enjoys themselves and, uh, we certainly enjoy be- giving people the opportunity to come and, and see this and it's part of our our job if you like to uh to teach people about bomber command and give them the opportunity to get a bit closer to a relative perhaps that they might have had flying with bomber command and, and learn a little bit more and m- a memory will, will continue then hopefully in that way
0: absolutely and um you know you you're probably the best uh museum anywhere in the world for for the bomber command experience because not only have you got the lancaster and you've got the Mitchell that we talked about and you just mentioned the Blenheim um you've also uh, got a Wellington wing there uh you've got a Hamden project there um you've got the um I, th- I guess replica co- cockpit of the Halifax there um i mean it's just it, it it's a it's an amazing collection of aircraft you've got there from bomber command um and then you've got loads and loads of engines and uh uh, you've got um, a whole selection of different bombs that they used, all that sort of thing. Um, brilliant displays with, uh, you know, memorial-type stuff. Um, one section I was quite impressed with when I went into, you had a whole lot of uh, information there about the people from around the Empire and the Commonwealth. Uh, even, um, you know, a nice piece there on John Pohy, the, uh the New Zealander that uh was murdered uh after the great escape and um you know there's everywhere i looked i was impressed there was just such great stuff going on at your museum and it, and it's so everything's so good it's all tidy it's uh really well done um all of the vehicles so impressive they, they look like they're brand new um yeah i'm just so impressed
2: well, you're very kind, and thank you very much. But um I guess we're we're different to a lot of museums, I guess, in the fact, unless you're talking national museums, because um, we are fortunate, I guess, that we we have the Lancaster, which is the the item that draws people in. So um, we have the the ability to to have a full time um, engineering team, full time grounds maintenance. So we we have the ability to to keep the grounds well and keep vehicles restored and restoring the aircraft. Um, and it, it's a bit of a snowball, I guess. If you, if you have facilities, then you draw people more in, uh, draw more people in. Yeah. And so yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, what Fred and Howard, Grand and uncle Howard, started here. Um, I, I mean, I'm biased, but I don't think there's anywhere else like it in the world. Um, yeah. stepping back in a bomber command airfield and, and seeing aircraft at bomber command and the vehicles the bomber command operating, um, on the airfield as they would have done, back in the Second World War. Um, but I'm I'm very keen, and and the, the team here with me are very keen to. To expand the museum to look at all of Bomber Command. Yeah. What a lot of media organisations and 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 people do um, is is think about Bomber Command solely as the Lancaster and yeah. something like the the Danbusters film um, and various things propaganda and things went on during the war. The Lancaster was focused on and a lot of people when you think of Bomber Command you only think of Lancaster um, and particularly with our family connection of course Halifax should be getting more of a. Uh, call on it as well, that it should be thinking more about the, the other aircraft that were operated by Bomber Command, um, because Lancaster was an extremely good aircraft, um, but we mustn't forget things like the Whitley, the Hamden, the Wellington, the Blenheim, um, and types that like the B-25 that the Bomber Command operated, albeit for not a very long period of time. Um, so hopefully, um, going on in the future, we'll be able to effectively use the Lancaster to bring people in to then learn about Bomber Command being not just Lancasters. Um, and, and they'll learn more about the entirety of bomber command, what it was doing during the Battle of Britain period, with the, um, the invasion barges and and all of its operations um, all the way through the war. It's it's sometimes a very difficult subject um, to talk about because of, of the results of the bombing campaign, um, but equally you, we must take a balanced view about the um, the gains as well as the uh, the losses um, mm-hmm. on both sides because of the bombing campaign. So it's 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 sometimes a very difficult subject but it's also a very important subject to talk about as well
0: yeah i i totally agree and over the years i've known a number of Bomber command veterans and you know they the attitude that they have was we were just doing a job we did what we were told um the results we didn't even think about you know that they um they had to win the war that's they, they were doing their job so um, I'm sure that you've heard it many times as well, and I find it difficult for the the way that the modern media seems to look at it. Uh, I think they need a bit more education. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Um,
2: I, th- I think the difficulty is judging times eighty years ago with by modern standards, isn't it? Exactly. Um, yeah, and the benefit of hindsight.
0: So. Yeah, exactly. Actually, one of the one of the bombers that I didn't mention there, you've actually got a uh, a Heinkel 111 there.
2: So that was um, built, um, it's, a, it's effectively a mock-up with some original parts in. So that was built uh, for the Battle of Britain film. So it's in the uh, in the film itself. Uh, it's a film prop, effectively. Um, yeah. And then it was also used in um, the uh, White Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, uh, was it called? That was filmed over in New Zealand, in fact, I think, wasn't it?
0: Oh, yes. Um, so right, that,
2: yeah. that cockpit actually went all the way out to, to New Zealand uh, oh. for some filming and came back again. Um, so yeah that was um, built as a film prop um and uh, yeah it's it's now housed in uh, in one of our buildings here and hopefully in the future we're going to make more of it um do it so that um, you can actually walk around the outside of it because it's it's as it would have been on the outside as well as internally which you can see into as well so yep. um, hopefully more of a um, a german exhibit a luftwaffe exhibit um looking at, at anti aircraft and, and the way we, the Nazis effectively defended against the bombing campaign as well, so right. I it's hopefully going to get more of a light shone in it as well.
0: Right, right. Have you got uh, have you got sort of desires for other aircraft in the future? What would you like to see in the collection?
2: I mean, if if we're talking big dreams, so to speak, I, I would absolutely love to see um, an example of each bomber command operated aircraft um, here at East Kirkby. I think that's yeah. That's an unrealistic dream shall we say but um it's a bit like with the um the bolingbrook uh project um that we had over the last three or four years um going out and searching for for airframes of the types operated by bomber command i'm sure we'll, we'll be seeing more of that going on um there are other things occurring um to to increase the number of aircraft here so um yeah we'll we'll see how we get on uh, we, i started the the Bolingbroke uh, Blenheim search because um, I was looking for for more aircraft to come here to East Kirkby, very much in the knowledge that once a Lancaster is is down for a year, uh, being worked on, or um, if heaven forbid we can't get Avgas anymore, um, we need something to to keep people coming to East Kirkby. We we can't be a, a one trick pony, shall we say, just with the Lancaster and and nothing else for people to come and see. So. We wanted to expand the number of aircraft we have here uh, to give people a, a better, more rounded experience when they come. So, I was looking for for something that was still available and also fitted the uh, the gap of, of early war bomber command. And, and so uh, I found the option of the, of, the, of these uh, the Bolingbroke aircraft out in Canada, yep. and um, and the one out in in Pima, and uh, sourced a team to to go out and get them. So, um, with the introduction of the the, the Bolingbroke stroke, Blending four, uh, the B twenty five, the personal proctor here, which is is shortly going to be recovered and, and repainted. Yeah. Um, so then that talks about the the training scheme and training of wireless operators um, from in the UK. Um, so I mean I, I would love to see something like a, a Lysander so we can talk about SOE um, uh, drops and, and that which were flown by bomber command pilots. And yeah, I, I want to throw a light on on everything that bomber command did and the the best way to do that with the general public is, is start with an aircraft because everybody's interested in, or a lot of people are interested in aircraft and it, it grabs the attention and yep. then we can seep through and, and tell them about the history of it and um, why it's appropriate to Bomber Command and, and how Bomber Command operated them. And, uh, and then hopefully people will have a more rounded view and opinion on Bomber Command and, and what it did rather than just bombing Dresden
0: exactly exactly oh that's that's a fantastic attitude and i really hope that uh in the future we may see more aircraft join um i i went to yorkshire air museum after i had been to your museum and i got to have a look at halifax that's just a such an impressive fantastic aircraft as well isn't it
2: absolutely yeah and when you consider what's been achieved with that aircraft yeah um, a lot of bits being produced and bringing bits together it's a a fantastic thing they've done with it i People have different opinions on it, but to me, to me, it's a Halifax, and yeah, without connection with Chris, it's the best opportunity we have to see a, a Halifax in this country, and other than the, the one at the end of, um which is as it crashed. Um, yes. So yeah, I, I we, we get on very well with Yorkshire Museum, the guys there, and more power to the, to Elba. As far as I'm concerned, they're doing fabulous things there, and with that Halifax, it's um, I'd love to to have it here, but um. <laughs> to have it up in Yorkshire is uh, is second best. It's not far from where Chris flew uh, in reality. So um, yeah, the opportunity to go up there and and see it and uh, and get closer to it, and uh, I've I've been very fortunate to have been on board as well. Um, the guys there took a few of us on board to see and and to stand back um, in a Halifax where Chris would have stood as a flight engineer is uh, yeah, it's quite something. It because of how I appreciate that, it gives me uh, a good idea of. of what people think when they come here and see the Lancaster and get on board the Lancaster to where their, their relative was when they were operating on, on Lancasters during the war. So, yeah, it's um, it's fabulous to well, – they're very similar to us, I guess, the Yorkshire Air Museum in being on a, uh, a World War II airfield with the type of aircraft that operated there. So, yeah, we, we get on very well with them and uh, long may it continue. Yeah,
0: excellent. They're, they've probably still got all their drawings, uh, so maybe you can make one.
2: yeah yeah (laughs) when when we finished our projects um we've got at the moment um you never know
0: (laughs) yeah um i i was going to throw in too uh i live in cambridge in new zealand and there was a local pilot um a bit of a hero that actually was one of only four new zealanders to be awarded the dfc three times uh his name was roy Roy calvert and he um he was with six three zero squadron, uh, based at East Kirkby on his second, mm. um, yeah, yeah, on his second tour. So, um, yeah, I just thought I'd throw in there that there was a local from here in Cambridge that actually lived and flew from your airfield.
2: Yeah, excellent. I mean that that's the thing about Bomber Command, isn't it? It's it's completely international in in the people that that joined it. Um, yeah in the fact that it only operated from, from the UK, but international in the fact that so many people from around the world joined the effort and, and flew with Bomber Command. So it, it's great to get international visitors to the centre, whether they be uh, from the Netherlands because of the, the mana drops yep. um, to all all around the world, or someone like yourself travelling many hours uh, to come to the centre to um, to relive a little bit of, of Bomber Command and, and um, see what the uh, the guys did who operated in Bomber Command from from countries far and wide.
0: Absolutely. Well, um, thanks very much for taking the time to uh, come on the show, Andrew, and um, I should probably let you get back to it now. I know that you've got work to do, so. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Yeah, no worries. Two two Lancaster taxi runs again today, so. uh... Oh, gosh. Oh, excellent. (laughs) I had fun. The aircraft (laughs) was being brought out as we spoke.
0: (laughs) Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, well, thanks very much again.
2: No worries, thank you. Cheers. That was the Wings Over
0: New Zealand show with Dave Homewood.